Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. When I was Reverend Jim Robinson's student minister, he told me, our work is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Over the years, I have been engaged deeply and passionately by the work of comforting the afflicted, but I still haven't cultivated a taste for afflicting the comfortable. This work, this comforting and afflicting, is the work of the ministry, our ministry, the work of our church, this congregation, the work of spiritual awakening for ourselves and for all whose lives our lives touch. It would be easy to speak with you this morning about comforting the afflicted. Let's talk about afflicting the comfortable. Recently, I reread leadership consultant Meg Wheatley's wonderful piece, Willing to be Disturbed. She opens with the premise that most of us want more harmonious and meaningful relationships in our lives, in our personal lives as well as in the larger sphere of friends, co-workers, neighbors, and beyond. However, she says, we may not realize that this desire can only be satisfied by partnering with new and strange allies, uncertainty and confusion. It's hard to even imagine considering this, but I'm going to invite you to come with me down this path to see where it leads. My friend Ben Jablonski, three years old, recently announced to his mother, our own Reverend Lauren Smith, I'm just a little bit out of sorts. Surprised, Lauren asked him to tell her more. He explained, just a little bit sorts are missing. And then, trying on another new word and a spectacular turn of phrase, he says, I have no pleasure. (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) Ben would like less uncertainty and confusion, but sorts are missing. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? Obviously, most of us weren't trained to admit when we feel uncertain or to like confusion. Does anyone like confusion? Does anyone like to be clueless and cueless, wandering in a literal or figurative wilderness? Last time I checked, it ranked right up there as a biblical trial. In this society, at least, we're supposed to sound like we know what we're doing And even when we don't, to at least act confident and assured, somehow we've learned that stating opinions as if they're facts seems to make our opinions more true. 
In addition, a very high value is placed on quick answers, quick fixes. We notice when someone's rhythm is a little slower than that of the dominant culture, when they take time to consider their answer. We notice our impatience. We say this one is marching to the beat of a different drummer. Do you know from where that reference comes? To the point, it's Henry David Thoreau writing in Walden. Why should we be in such desperate haste to succeed, he laments, and in such desperate enterprises? If a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. Let him step to the music which he hears, however measured or far away. However measured or far away or slow, everything is moving so fast now there isn't even time to be unsure or confused, even if we could be convinced that there might be some value in that, in being stopped in our tracks. When was the last time I let a question hang in the air? When was the last time you took a question to heart, to meditation and prayer? When was the last time any of us was rewarded for really listening, really hearing, really allowing ourselves to be changed and moved? Meg Wheatley writes, we listen to others just long enough to determine whether or not we agree with them. We rush from opinion to opinion, attaching ourselves to those sound bites that confirm our position. Gradually, we become more certain, but less informed. Journalists I know have two expressions I love. The first is, Interesting, if true. It's a great way to examine our snap judgments. For example, the way we write off certain people. What an amazing discipline to catch ourselves in the act and to say to ourselves, interesting, if true. The second expression I learned from journalist friends builds on interesting, if true. It says, the whole story isn't in yet. Can we entertain the possibility that there is more to the story than we know, or more that has yet to be written? As she walked into Walsingham, England, author Rosemary Mahoney writes, a whiskery old man swaying at the side of the road crooked his finger and said, come here, love, where are you going? I told him where and continued walking. The man dropped his hand in disappointment. Oh, don't run off, he cried. I only want to tell you something nice. I went over to him. She says he was tiny and roomy-eyed and stinking of whiskey. Each of his beige eyebrows was the size of a healthy mustache. On this warm day, he was dressed in an oilskin slicker and a peaked cap. I'm sorry, I said. Please tell me. 
My name is Mike, he said. He stared for a long time at me, his red eyes blinking with the slow deliberation of an owl's. I waited, but Mike said nothing. Finally, I said, what was it that you wanted to tell me? He raised his index finger and said softly, you are the best vision I have seen all day. Rosemary Mahoney almost missed these very sweet words, a gift from Mike. And then, surprised, she met him again, standing in the doorway to a church, clean-shaven, sober, dressed in a jacket and tie, his eyebrows tidily combed, handing out hymnals before worship. There he stood, fully embodying the complexity and multifaceted nature of one human life. She was glad she had stopped. Who wants to give up how we see it? Give up our certainty, not I. I am, we are defined by our convictions, our politics and religion and everything interesting that we're not really supposed to discuss in polite company are the core of who we are, both as individuals and as a people. Okay, we don't have to give them up. But the minute we marry our ideology, the minute we marry our ideology, doors start slamming on our curiosity. If we can just muster the willingness to be curious about the ways in which we are different from others, we might learn something. In other words, I am, we are, the comfortable that needs afflicting. Here we go. This requires a basic shift in perspective. When we're in conversation, the trick is not to listen for convergence, but for divergence. Not to listen for the points of agreement, but the points of disagreement. And rather than ask, how could anyone believe that? In just that tone of voice, we could try on, wonder why they believe that. And here's a radical suggestion. We could even ask them, excuse me, what you just said about Sarah Palin? <laughs> and um, what you just said about your personal Lord and Savior? Please tell me more. Please tell me more. We can listen for what surprises us or startles us or frightens us, and rather than moving away, we can move in. We afflict the comfortable, both ourselves in the relative comfort of our certainty and others in theirs, with curiosity and respect 
and the hope of revealing more truth. On a recent evening, Kem and I were visiting with older family members whom we love and who love us. And in the midst of discussing the precarious and terrifying state of Japan's earthquake and tsunami-ravaged nuclear reactors, one of my in-laws began a sentence, we don't need to discuss the relative merits and demerits of nuclear power. I thought, we don't need to, but what if we did? What if in this sanctum of family and familiarity we were willing to engage about something on which we might not agree? It is so easy to surround ourselves with PLUs, people like us, and so relatively challenging, tiresome, and exasperating to engage people who are not PLUs. Challenging, tiresome, exasperating, and so potentially clarifying, energizing, uplifting. Can we try this respectfully, carefully, and actually maybe even learn something? We don't need to discuss the relative merits and demerits of nuclear power, he said. And I said, well, how about a nuclear-free future? Now, the truth is that this conversation went nowhere, <laughs> except back to the experts being quoted by the New York Times. That's OK. It was an experiment, this unbalancing the PLU status, the afflicting the comfortable, and no one got hurt. Something did happen, though. I noticed that somehow my signaling not knowing, or at least wanting to know what they thought, made everyone else lean in just a little. The conversation that followed actually went to a deeper level of intimacy. Emboldened, I'm ready to try this on a slightly higher wire. We all know what can happen on that high wire. People say the most amazing things. All astounding, some offensive, a few hurtful. So often when people have said something homophobic to me, for example, and come to realize what they've done, they are mortified. Usually nothing could have been further from their intentions than being unkind to me. The spiritual practice of afflicting the comfortable is to stay open and to keep the channel open. Under the best circumstances, those in which we keep our cool, we will see that just under their rudeness is ignorance and confusion. My very favorite conversation proceeds with some version of, but you don't look gay. To which I say, not in a mean-spirited way, but as an ambassador, perhaps, this is what it looks like. <laughs> and then really, if I'm practicing afflicting the comfortable, it's my move. Am I going to flee, or am I going to be curious? What's my line? About one in 10 people is gay. You actually interact with a lot of gay people every day and don't realize it. Face it, you're surrounded. 
No, not that. Sorry, not that. <laughs> when people say really astounding, offensive, or hurtful things, and we're determined to stay on that high wire, it is best to stick with the now famous adage of communication and conflict resolution expert Sandra Boston. Just say, oh. It's an amazing, effective neutralizer, even to the worst stink bomb. Oh. It's good to just practice this. Just say, oh. 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 Meg Wheatley writes, sometimes we hesitate to listen for differences because we don't want to change. We're comfortable with our lives, and if we listened to anyone who raised questions, we'd have to get engaged in changing things. If we don't listen, things can stay as they are. But most of us do see things in our life or in the world that we'd like to be different. And if that's true, we have to listen more, not less. We have the opportunity many times a day, she continues, every day to be the one who listens to others, curious rather than certain. It's not differences that divide us. It's our judgments that divide us. Curiosity and good listening bring us back together. We can't be creative if we refuse to be confused. Change always starts with confusion. The abyss is where the newness lives. I don't believe more of us want to keep struggling alone Meg Wheatley concludes, I can't know what to do from my own narrow perspective. I know I need a better understanding of what's going on. I want to sit down with you and talk about all the frightening and hopeful things I observe and listen to what frightens you and gives you hope. Beloved spiritual companions, let's give ourselves to the discomfort of uncertainty and confusion. To being, as little Ben says, out of sorts. Afflicting the comfortable. Making way for new truths. Let's give ourselves to the perspectives of interesting if true. And the whole story isn't in yet. Let's try listening for what surprises us or startles us or frightens us and instead of moving away, move in, making room for the possibility of intimacy. Sometimes what unfolds might just astound us, something new and better than anything we might have begun to imagine. Sometimes, just say, oh. Unitarian Universalism holds that we need not think alike to love alike. We need not agree with one another 
in order to think well together. We need not be joined at the head. We are already joined at the heart. You are the best vision I have seen all day. Amen.